search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear the witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that come, comes only from God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so as today we start this new series, uh, it's called A Journey Through the Old Testament. And we'll be looking at some highlights from these amazing books over the months ahead. But before we dig into our study, uh, there are some questions that we need to look at. And so we're going to do that this morning as an introduction to this series, uh, looking at some questions in regard to this Old Testament study. The first question is, why are we doing this series? Knowing the history of the Old Testament is crucial to a Christian believer. When I lived in Minneapolis, I owned a barbershop there for 13 years, and for the majority of that time, there was a vacant lot right next to my barbershop. And one day I saw some guys out there and they were walking around the lot and pointing at different things and discussing, and then they left. And about two months later, uh, some city officials came by and they started looking at some of the lot lines and marked those out. Uh, then utility men started coming out and checking for uh, the electrical that was coming in and the water sources. And then finally, a man came by uh, who was the owner, the new owner of the property. And his name was Moshe, and he was an Orthodox Jewish man. And so he came over and he introduced himself to me and said he was going to be building a modular home there. And if you're not familiar with modular homes, they bring them in in big pieces and set them right in place. And so he talked about this home, and we got to know one another. And I found out that his uh, father was a rabbi, and so we started having discussions about the Old Testament. And so Moshe was working on this property for the next... Uh, about half a year, and the majority of that time was uh, digging out the foundation. And so they came in with these big backhoes, and they dug for quite a while, and uh, they came in and set the forms and put those in place, and all the plumbing and the heating lines and all of that in the basement that needed to be uh, put in place. And then one day, uh, three huge trucks came with cranes on them. And uh, these trucks came, and they lifted into place uh, three parts of this home in one day. And so uh, the top part came up really fast. In fact, they broke my sidewalk <laughs> right in front of my barbershop in doing that. Uh, but Moshe came over and he fixed the sidewalk a little bit later. And God's plan is much like this. The preparation for the house he is building took a long time. This foundation in fact, it was about 4,000 years, according to many biblical scholars. He had some digging to do. 
He had to clear away some boulders and some roots. He had a foundation to pour so that the house would stand firm. And the name of this house is the kingdom of God on earth. Notice that when Jesus came, he kept saying things like, the kingdom of God has come upon you, Matthew 12, 28. And the time is fulfilled that the kingdom of God is at hand, Mark 1, 15. Once that modular home was in place that Moshe had built, it was easy to ignore the foundation because it was under the ground. And yet for me, because day after day, I had watched that foundation take shape, whenever I looked at the house, I could think about that foundation. I could see those workers down there working and getting it ready, whereas most people only saw the thing that was above the ground. It's the same for us in studying the Old Testament. It will help us appreciate all the work that went on before the house was built. Another reason that it's important that we study the Old Testament together is the same reason that you took American history in elementary school. You don't typically study Mongolian history because you're not from there. You're an American. And it's good to know about the events and the people that made our country into what it is today, whether good or bad. Old Testament history is the history of the saints. And as saints of the Church of Jesus Christ, we can look at all those events and we can say, that's my history. Listen to the words of 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we are a continuation of God's story. We are the continuation of Israel. The Apostle Paul is telling us that as Gentiles, we have been grafted in to the true vine, Jesus just as much as the Old Testament people were grafted into that same vine, even though they were looking forward to it and we look backward. Israel's history continues on in the church of the body of Christ. The history of the Old Testament is even more crucial for us to understand than American history because it is the history of salvation for all of mankind. And as we look at the Old Testament history, we recognize that Abraham is our founding father even more than Benjamin Franklin. We realize that King David is our leader even more than George Washington. And we realize that Moses was a great emancipator of slavery way before Abraham Lincoln. Also, we see in the Old Testament that it reveals Jesus. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' time were experts at studying the Old Testament, or the Book of Moses and the Prophets, as they were called. They had studied huge sections of the scriptures and memorized them. And they even went beyond the laws that God had set in place. They figured if not working on the Sabbath was good, then not even walking a certain distance was even better. 
But Jesus rebukes them in John 5. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is that they bear witness about me. They studied so much, they couldn't see Jesus in the midst of it. How sad that they missed the very thing that they were trying to find all along. They didn't see that God's will was perfectly made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. And I can't look down too harshly on them, because this is very easy for us to do. A while back, Pastor Hoff and I were discussing seminary one day, and I asked him about his graduation from Wartburg. And when they were interviewing him at the end, each of us goes through this interview process at the end, they were asking him about what the greatest impact on his life had been in regard to his education. And he said, you know, the greatest impact for me was in the Lutheran Bible Institute before I came to seminary. Then they asked him, well, what do you think about seminary? And he says, I quote, Sometimes we get so involved looking at a particular piece of bark, whether it's a Greek or Hebrew word or sentence structure of a Bible passage, that we miss not just the forest, but sometimes even the fact that the bark is connected to a tree. We lose sight of Jesus sometimes in the midst of our study. And we will endeavor in this Old Testament study not to do that. We will continue to bring forward Jesus in the midst of these stories. And so, at spots along the way, we are going to intentionally look for the handprint of the Savior. The people of the Old Testament were longing for him, and that is seen throughout their history. Another reason that we're going to be studying the Old Testament is that it is a case history, as seen in Hebrews 11. The Spanish philosopher George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. This reveals to us another reason to take this journey to the ancient pages of the Old Testament. Because there are so many case studies of people just like you and I who succeeded and failed in their attempt to follow a holy God. We have stories like King David, a man after God's own heart, who had a major moral failing and yet repented and returned to the Lord. We see stories about men like Samson, a man who was used mightily of God and yet one who also struggled just as mightily with sin. We see a timid queen named Esther who's raised up by God in order to save her people. And who can forget some of the amazing animals in the Old Testament, like a fish who had a prophet for lunch, or an ox, who, a donkey, who had a chance to speak for a day. Life in the Old Testament was difficult, just as it is for us today. And we can look at these people and see how they dealt with the situations that were in front of them. And we can learn great lessons from them as we live out our Christian faith. We can glean from them important lessons on how to survive and thrive in the life that we are living thousands of years after them. Inevitably, when I ask people about the thing that they most look forward to in heaven, some will mention their desire to meet Old Testament saints. But did you know that the saints in heaven are just as excited to meet you as you are to meet them? 
They are part of the great cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on in this faith. Aaron the high priest can't wait to meet Aaron Johnson. Jacob, uh, Jacob's wife Rachel can't meet, wait to meet Rachel Opdahl. Adam and Eve's son Seth can't wait to meet Seth Stroud. And the prophet Daniel can't wait to meet Daniel Russum, Daniel Larson, Daniel Denevers, Danny Faber, Dan Larson, and Danny Allen. <laughs> Another question we have as we look at this uh, study is, is there a road map for the journey? The great thing about traveling in our modern era is GPS. I don't know what I would do without it, right? I can punch in a destination on my phone, hit go, and it'll bring me within a couple of feet of that particular destination. The only problem is that we become so dependent on technology that we don't get time to learn the layout of the city many times. And so, I don't want you to solely rely on your GPS, your pastor, in regard to this study. I want your interaction as we get the lay of the land. Is there a side street that you would like to explore? Let me know that. Is there a spot on this trip that you would like to linger a little bit longer? Let me know. I would also encourage you to scout ahead. I'll, each week I'll be giving you um, the passage of scripture that we'll be looking at for the next week. And that way you can go in and you can read that for yourself. Get an understanding of what we're going to be talking about and looking at that, meditating on it as you digest that uh, passage of Scripture. Because this is going to be a lot more like a safari, not just a sightseeing tour. You're going to be getting your hands dirty. You're going to be digging in. You're going to be applying these things to your own life. And if you're not a regular Bible reader already in your private life, I would challenge you to make this your year. Because I think these are some of the most interesting things to read in the uh, entire scriptures. These stories about real people who struggled with real sin and real problems. Many times we forget how fortunate we are to have this amazing book in our hands. Many down through history long to have the scriptures, long to have God speak to them. And here we have the word of God speaking to us right here in our homes, many of us with multiple Bibles, with dust on the top of them, not being used. And so, even if it's just five minutes a day, it will do wonders with your relationship with the Lord. And it'll also help you to be engaged on Sunday morning as you look forward to seeing what it, this reveals to us. Maybe you have insights that you can come and talk to me about after the sermon. I'd like to think about it like a promotional guide from a travel agency. It piques your interest about the sights and sounds that you're going to hear and see together. The next question is, how long will it take us? I haven't set a determined time that this journey is going to take for a couple of reasons, although I hope to get it done before the Lord returns. The, fir <laughs> the first reason is that we might have some sidetracks in this timetable here. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants us to spend more time with Joseph, or maybe the prophet Elijah. We need to learn a little bit more about him, and so we'll take an extra week or two on him. Another question is, will there be any detours along the way? Yes, there will. We'll take breaks from the Old Testament, obviously during Holy Week and Christmas and different times in the year, special Sundays that we'll be looking again at the New Testament. But we'll also be looking at the New Testament as we study the Old. 
We'll be going to the New Testament and seeing the fulfillment of these things. Will there be any detours on the way? Well, we'll be looking at many different things as we go through this that'll detour us away from the stories that we're looking at in that passage. Another question is, what will meet us at the end of the journey? When my wife and I took a um, trip with our family around the country in an RV one summer, we saw many different RVs that were on the road. And one of the things that we noticed on a lot of RVs, especially people that were kind of like career travelers, is they had this big map um, with the states on it, and the states were empty. So it was just an outline, and you were supposed to buy these stickers, and for every state that you traveled through, you put a sticker on. Kind of as like, this is where we've been. And some people had, I mean, almost the entire thing, but Hawaii filled up. And one guy had Hawaii. I was like, how did you do that, you know? You know, fly your RV over to Hawaii and tour around. And so we saw that, and many people collected different things. We collected some thimbles or, you know, mugs or something like that or bumper stickers or whatever it might be. And we're going to be collecting souvenirs along our journey as well. At the end of our journey, you might uh, find that you'll be able to impress some of your friends by being able to uh, pronounce strange Hebrew names like uh, Jeroboam, son of Nebat. (laughs) Or you might be able to differentiate between the Babylonian and the Assyrian captivity. But most of all, you will be closer to God because you will have spent time in his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. In conclusion today here, during our foundation series, I covered the creation account. And so next week, uh, in your scouting ahead assignment, we're going to be looking at the flood. And specifically, I want you to pay attention to what happened to Noah once he disembarked from the flood, okay, from the ark. And that's what we're going to be looking at for next week here. And so we'll be beginning our journey in the Pentateuch, those five books of Moses. And so as we embark on this journey, know that there are going to be frequent bathroom stops along the way. And please limit the number of times you ask, are we there yet? (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Old Testament and the Old Testament saints. As we begin this journey, I pray that you would open our eyes to the many different situations they face and how they were looking forward to Christ. And so, Father, as we uh, begin on this journey, I pray that you would lead us and you would guide us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.